This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right. Let us turn to the book of John. Let's find three passages of scripture for me, if you will. John chapter 14. Galatians chapter 6 and 2 Chronicles chapter 15. John chapter 14, Galatians chapter 6 and 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We are on the subject of having the assurance of God's presence. Having the assurance of God's presence. Now, I mentioned to you that this is really coming from the place and the thought of peace. And, as we may mention, peace belongs to us who are members of the kingdom of God. It is ours. It should be ours. And we gave you three definitions for peace. First of all, we recognize, if you're in John chapter 14, verse number 27, that this is the peace that we're talking about. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus has given us his peace. And people, I don't know how to really express this. You have to just keep coming and coming. You have to reckon these things. This has to be yours. It can't just be something written on paper. It is true. Though we may not say that we experience it, if you don't experience it, it's not because it's not true. You're missing something. Amen. You're missing something. I believe there are many believers who are members of the kingdom who are missing things. And a lot of their missing things is they just haven't heard. They just don't know. And they don't get their minds renewed. And when you don't have your minds renewed, the enemy takes advantage. And that's why, you know, sometimes you just have to press. You have to press because if you do not press, the enemy is going to steal from you what is rightfully yours. And so we live at a disadvantage. But I'm telling you, we ought to have peace because Jesus gave it. And he didn't give any peace. He gave us his peace. And we looked at the peace of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it is a peace that had him asleep in the midst of a storm. Had him assured in the midst of a storm. It is a peace that when others lied on him, he held his peace. Hallelujah. So I gave you three definitions of peace. One of them is stability in time of trouble. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. As a believer, when trouble comes, we shouldn't change. Peace should keep us that way. But peace is stability in time of trouble. It is freedom from debilitating thoughts. I've heard of Christians saying they're suffering depression, but I know what's missing. It's the peace that Jesus left us. Because when I'm at peace, I'm free from those distressful, those anxious thoughts. The noisiness, I'm free from it. 
I'm free from fearful thoughts. I'm free from conflicting thoughts when I have the peace that belongs to us. And then, this is our working definition. This is what I wanted to run with. Because this, in all honesty, when you look at the scriptures, this is it. This is our peace. We found out that Jesus had peace because he was with the Father. And the Father was with him. And so here's our peace. I am with God. And God is with me. I love that. I love it. Amen. You know, on our own... Especially when you're getting into fights, when you're on your own and there's a whole bunch against you, you kind of like, you know what, maybe I won't fight this time. <laughs> maybe I'll wait, wait till I have some backup with me. But when I'm with God, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be? Because on my own, I am weak. There's no doubt about it. I'm weak on my own. But when I'm with Him, you know, I don't boast in myself, I boast in who I'm with. <laughs> Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and talk. Why? Not because of me, but because of who I'm with. Hallelujah. That is a wonderful thing. And and, and as we looked at it, remember, when I am with God and God is with me, that is called having His presence. And I told you, and I believe if we had taken just a census at the end of our last Wednesday night service and we asked every individual to every individual they would have said I want his presence I desire his presence we would have walked out of here convinced of that but you know what a lot happens within a week and we forget what we wanted that's how the enemy works that's why sometimes you just have to press people you have to force the issue and it's the enemy who wants you to be lazy and comes up with excuses and reasons why you can't be under his word because the enemy knows what you're missing out on you just don't understand it And see, the more I hear it, the more I know what God has made available for me, the more I understand what Jesus, the more I understand the richness of this salvation. We said his presence is better than any plans that you may have made that took no regards to his presence. So that means when I have plans, but I come up against his presence, I change my plans that I might be in his presence. And it's no big deal. I'm telling you, I'd rather be with him. I can't explain it any other way. Why would I choose a path that I know he's not going to be on when there's another path and I know he's there? Why would I choose the path that he's not on? You must not know my God. You must, this, this is the one thing that gets me about David. When David had numbered Israel, when he didn't, God gave him a choice. And David said, now, wow, this is not that tough. Because there's only one road where you will be, and I'd rather be under your hand. Because I know you. I'm sorry, but I know you. Remember, this is one of the reasons we talked about it. Because we are short-tempered. We hold grudges. We don't forgive. But David remembered, God, I might suffer something at your hands, but then I remember, you won't always chide. You won't always be upset. You won't always be angry. I know you. So I'd rather be wherever you are, even if I'm in the midst of suffering. Hallelujah. That's why we said God's presence is better than anything I have to sacrifice. 
Anyone I have to sacrifice, any relationship I have to sacrifice, His presence is better. It is worth it. Amen. Glory to God. This, this, this is believing. I choose to be with God. And He says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. See, because when you choose God, the world is going to call you crazy. Your friends, people who have influence with you, they will ask you what you're, they will try to convince you otherwise. But you have to have it in your mind. Know the God that you serve and you want to be in his presence. We thought about Moses. Moses said, who's going to go with us? God said, I'll go with you. Moses said, it's a good thing because I'm not going if you're not taken. <laughs> this is why I said we're ever so careful. It is I am with God. And God is with me. It is not God is with me wherever I go and whatever I do. No, I got to be with him. And when I'm with him, then he's with me. And so Moses understood that. I love this. David, some of you understand this and some of you know of this. You're Wednesday night. Many of you are members of Church of Living Water. You know this example. You know when David came back to Ziklag, the Malachites had taken their families, taken them captive. And remember what David did? He didn't just go off and do what he wanted to do. He inquired of God and said, should I pursue? Because will I recover? You know what he was asking? He says, God, if I go, am I going to go without you? Because if I'm going to go without you, I'm not going. And then when God gave him the assurance that, no, I'll be with you, then he went. He overtook. He recovered. Hallelujah. See, so you want the presence of God. I'm, I'm telling you, we look at when David sought to bring the ark into the city of Jerusalem, how he had to leave it at Obed-Edom's house. And how because Obed-Edom welcomed the presence of God. His house was blessed. You want his presence. I want his presence. So I tell you, if his presence is not here, if you don't think his presence is here, I don't know why you're here. You must believe his presence is here. Now, if you don't and you're here, you're crazy. Because again, I would not want to be, especially someplace that calls itself by his name, but he is not present there. And, and you know, again, I, I said it was funny, but it wasn't, but it was true. Just be careful. Because God might be waiting for you to leave before he shows up. Amen. See, you don't understand sometimes the discipline that is exacted in the church. His presence is better than putting up with your mess. And so that's why we protect to make sure that we're with Him. That's why His presence is better than anything or anyone. There has to be sacrifice to make sure that we are with Him so that He's with us. And I told you this. We have 
his presence by virtue of his grace. We have his presence because of the blood. And when we entered in by the blood, we're with him. And he's with us. Amen. Glory to your name. That's reason to rejoice. I am not alone. I am not on my own. (laughs) Glory to God. I'm with him. And he's with me. So you have to know who your God is. That'll cause you to rejoice. Amen. In the midst of my trouble, I remember, no, I'm with you. And you're with me. Hallelujah. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. See, I've entered in to his presence by virtue of the blood. And that blood was not the blood of a dead man. It's the blood of him who ever liveth. He's made a way that whereas once I was outside looking in, now I'm a member of the family. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Telling you as a believer, we should never be discouraged. We should not be. I'm not saying this is the case that sometimes we are. I believe sometimes we are discouraged. But it's because we are not aware. We've been pulled away from the knowledge of the truth. Because what the enemy does, do we not understand this yet? Please remember this. You do have an adversary. And, And trust me, God is stronger than the adversary, but all the adversary can do is play mind games with you. He can't change the truth. He can just prevent you from realizing the truth. So God with you is a good thing. But you must remember. This is really where this is going. We won't have balance. Galatians chapter 6 verse number 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, this is God. God is a good God. God is a great God. God is a loving God. But God's not going to be mocked. And when it says he's not mocked, he says he connects with not being mocked what a man sows. He says, now, what a man puts in is going to have to do with what a man gets out. You can't take for granted that because you're with God now, that he's automatically going to stay with you. No matter how you conduct yourself. See, that's what I love about David's example. You know, we have God's testimony of David. That David was a man after God's own heart. But David stayed humble. He didn't take for granted that he walked or could walk on water. He didn't take for granted that everything he did was blessed of God. 
He understood this. I have to be with him. Otherwise, he's not going to be with me because God is not mocked. I believe today we must be balanced in the faith. Because too many people, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Too many people in and around the church are mocking God. But the truth is, God's not going to be mocked. Amen. Let's read. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he, by the Spirit of God, went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Now, I want you to understand this about Asa. Asa is doing the will of God, even at this time. But God sends one inspired by the Spirit of God to go meet Asa and give him a message. And I'm telling you, Church of the Living Water, this is a message for us. I believe this. I believe it's the Spirit of God speaking to us. He went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. While ye be with him. Let me say that again. The Lord is with you. While ye be with him. Let me say that again. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Those are the most. I believe this. Those are the most encouraging words. That a man can get. That I'm with you. When God says that. When God says, I'm with you. You know, when God says, I'm with you, you forget who's against you. No, 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 really. When God says, I'm with you. When you have the assurance that God is with you, that's why you make the choices that you make. When it would be hard for others to sacrifice, you're like, what sacrifice? What I'm giving up doesn't compare to having him with me. Yes, it's so true. I could have all the money in the world, but yet not have God's presence. It's not right. See, because money fails. Money comes and money goes. But my God, He never fails. He never fails. I'd rather be with Him than to have whatever it is. Those are the most encouraging words that a believer can have. I'm telling you, I, I, I have to stop right here for a second because I, sometimes I just don't understand people. I just don't think they know God. That they choose some of the weakest things. When I think of what I get, what I gain by having God's presence because I'm with Him and I see what they choose instead of being with Him, you are out of your mind in my mind. You are crazy in my You need to know the God. That I serve. Because 
I am convinced in this because the Word tells us so. In this world, you're going to have troubles. And when the troubles come and you chose something other than God's presence, what, what are you going to do? What confidence are you going to have? And in those times, you will run to those that you trust. Stayed in His presence. And you will find out everything you trusted in could not compare to having Him with you. So Asa hears these encouraging words. The Lord is with you. But you can't take this for granted. Because he's with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. See, that'll preach. If you seek him. See, some people are living without his presence, but they're not seeking him. You know what seek means? It means I'm going to apply myself to look. <laughs> I'm not waiting for God to show up. I'm going to run after Him. If you'd apply just a little bit of effort, <laughs> just a little bit of elbow grease, He says, well then, if you apply yourself, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. God is like, I'm, make, I'm making this too easy. <laughs> you don't have to go through some obstacle course. Just seek me. Just seek me. See, this is what you do on Wednesday nights. You're seeking him. That's what you do because he said he would speak through his church. And so if he's going to be found, guess where you're going to find him most likely? In the church. See, and some people want to play games with God. See, but God loves the lost. But you're not lost. We have to go out there to get the lost. But you're not lost. And he's talking to you. See, Asa was already doing the things of God. This is a message for the church. Not a message for the lost. It's a message for you. Unless you go out after the lost and he not be with you. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. In other words, Asa... Judah, Benjamin. In other words, Church of Living Water, God does not owe you His presence. Doesn't owe you a thing. He does not owe you His presence. Now, we're not going to go over it because we went over it months ago, but some of you need to go back and read when Israel presumed after they had already forsook God and said you know what no God we're going to go and obey now and Moses told them God ain't with you but they went anyway 
And you know what you get when you go without God's presence? You lose. You lose. And I'm not talking about an athletic affair. I'm not talking about a card game. I'm talking about you lose in life. And too many people of God are asking, why God, why? When he said, why didn't you ask me? And I would have told you, I'm with you. If you be with me. And if you had sought me, I would have been found of you. Too many in the church. I'm telling you, Samson is a good example. (laughs) Samson rode the waves as long as he could. And then one day he went to shake himself. And he found out, I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm telling you, in your trouble, you don't want to come to the realization, I'm alone. Church of Living Water, listen to me. All who will live godly will suffer persecution. But when you've been living godly and you suffer persecution, you're fine. Now, if you don't live godly, it's not persecution, it's just trouble. And when you find yourself in the midst of the trouble, and then you go to shake yourself and find out that you're on your own, woe is you. God doesn't owe you his presence. That's why we have to be ever so careful. We who think we stand, we must take heed. Lest we fall. Hmm. We can be some overconfident people. We can be some overconfident people. And we'll go about, do things like we've always done them, and leave God out. And then one day we wake up, and we find ourselves far away from where God is. Now, I do remember, I don't remember all that we taught on this before, but I do remember, I I thought I made mention of, uh, I do remember teaching at the time and running across uh, another minister's, not not in this ministry, but another minister's teaching on grace. And I was hearing and I was trying to ascertain what they were saying, and I thought they were going in a certain direction, and, and I heard what I heard, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's how a lot of people think in the church concerning grace. But we have to have balance concerning God's grace. We have to have much balance concerning God's grace. Grace is mistakenly taken as though one can behave any way and be covered by grace. And it's taught that way. And that's wrong. See, that's not the teaching that Asa received from Azariah. The teaching he received said that you had best stay with God 
Because God says, if you forsake him. You know, when God says, if you forsake, means that there are going to be opportunities for you to do so. There will be choices you will have to make. And you will have to choose my presence over any other option. Because his presence isn't just anywhere. Oh, do you hear that? His presence isn't just anywhere. I'm going to go in this club and save these people. You know his presence isn't there. You know, you know, you know that's a lie. You know you don't expect him to be. I'm going to go in this topless club and get these people saved. Come on now. There's some places his presence just is not. And you should know that. Again, I use the extremes. But we go and we do things without considering him at all, thinking that his presence is going to be there because we're there. And you're too overconfident, too full of yourself. You're like Samson trying to shake yourself. You're going to get there, be where you are, far away from him, and find out that you are on your own. I will never forget when I went to grad school. (laughs) It's funny to me now because I'm here. I'm a long way away from grad school. When I went to grad school, I went to grad school in the state of New York. I went to upstate New York to grad school. And how I got there, I don't even remember. But I was there. And I remember I had a big trunk of my stuff. And this was the time where you couldn't do everything online. Now some of y'all are like, what? Did they have color TV back then? Yeah, it was color TV at the time. But I remember having this big trunk and we had to go and it was, I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic up Institute up in Troy, New York. And I remember going to one building uh, to register and get everything together. And I remember suddenly I had to go and get my stuff from that building to uh, uh, housing that I was going to live in. And then it came to my realization, boy, you're on your own. <laughs> boy, you're on your own. And that is a feeling. That is a, and, and, and again, I'm there and I'm going about my business, I'm, but then it just hits you, you know, you're on your own. If you needed help, you can't count on anybody's help. You have to figure it out. Now, you know, God is good. That's all I say. God is good. You don't even understand. This brother can testify God is good. How he kept me up there. When I was on my own, he had people there for me. He does. But when you get that feeling that you're on your own, trust me, you don't want that feeling. It is a feeling of utter... How do I say it? Then you come to realize how strong you're not. Then you come to realize how smart you're not. (laughs) Then you come to realize, oh, I need some help. I ain't all that. I am very limited. So when you get to acting, however you want to act, you shake yourself and find out that you're on your own. Oh, that is deflating. (laughs) But grace is mistakenly taken that we can behave ourselves in any kind of way and be covered by grace. And I'm going to tell you, if you act any kind of way, then God is wherever you want to go. You're going to shake yourself and meet the understanding of what it is to be alone. Then you, then you hear David say, don't take your Holy Spirit 
away from me. I don't want to be on my own. I don't want to be without you. Now, we are not under law. We are now under grace. We all agree with that. We're not under the law, but we're under grace. But grace has to be properly understood. Now, this is why I remember this last time, because I was really, I was kind of shocked after I said this, that no one approached me and asked me about this. Because I, I asked you a question. See, because we're not under the law, but we're under grace. And I said, now, what is the difference between when we were under the old covenant to now that we're under the new covenant? Who changed? Man or God? And most people, as most people say, would say man changed. But I told you, no. Man didn't change. And God didn't change. (laughs) And I I was curious because I know that challenged some people. And I expected, and you know, it's all right. I want want to comfort you in this. It's all right sometimes to ask questions. We don't expect you to always understand everything. But even in those times, when you have the questions, here's what I would say first. Go search it out. You'd be amazed at what God is willing to show you when you apply yourself. And then when you don't get it, then it's not right to ask questions. But in this much, the change between the law and grace, the change between the old covenant and the new covenant, is only that the true lamb was slain. And the blood has been applied. That's the change. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. That's the change. Listen to this. Just to make sure you understand this. We didn't change. And God's attitude towards sin didn't change. Here's a testimony. Here's the evidence that we didn't change. What's the first word of the gospel? Let me ask it another way. Under... The new covenant. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. When Peter had preached a message for the ages. The people who were not a member of the body of Christ. Responded to the message. And said, men and brethren. What shall we do? The first word we have recorded that came out of Peter's mouth in response to their question is repent. Repent. That's the first word of the gospel. Why is that the first word of the gospel? It's because man hasn't changed and still needs to change. See, we didn't change. Here's another one. Even after we had received Christ, here's a question for you. Why does God chasten them that he loves? Why does God correct? When does correction come? When you're wrong. And when we're wrong, guess what we need to do? We need to change. Because inasmuch as we have received Christ, there's still change that needs to take place. See, man hasn't changed. We have not arrived. 
So between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we know that now we know the testimony of God is that we still need to change. And we know that God ain't changing. So what's the difference? How have we entered into grace? No, no. Did you, no, no, you, you missed that altogether, did you? We went over Ephesians chapter 2 last time. Remember how when Paul wrote in the epistle to the Ephesians, saying that, now, now you Gentiles, remember that at one time you were called the uncircumcised, by them who were circumcised in the flesh, that at that time you were without Christ. You were, alien, you were strangers, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were without God, having no hope in the world. But now, you who were afar off have been made nigh, not because you changed, not because God changed, but because there's been blood that's applied. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. It's the blood that makes the difference. It's the blood of Christ that makes the difference. There is no other blood that satisfies. No, there's no other blood that turns that seed of judgment to a seed of mercy. Nothing but the blood of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's the difference. Remember, we're still talking about grace. See, the blood has been applied. Now that is the difference. That is the change. That's important. Because that means the law still represents his righteous standard. (laughs) The law still represents God's righteous standard. The only change is the blood has been applied. Now, faith brings us to his grace. This is important, people. Please understand this. What is grace for? Grace is because we couldn't measure up. And so now that grace is here, we have no excuse. I think I get more excited about this than anything. I don't have to sin. (laughs) I love it. I am free. Thank God I am free indeed. (laughs) Thank God I'm free. The freedom isn't so that I can go and name it and claim it. The freedom is so that I might please Him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when he says go, there are no chains holding me from going. Now I can be what he says I can be. Now I can do what he says I can do. That's reason to rejoice. Glory to your name. You don't understand this, do you? Not only has the handwriting of ordinances that were against me been wiped clean, I've been made new. I'm not creating a new rap sheet. (laughs) Hallelujah. The rap sheet that I had before is now destroyed, and I'm not creating a new rap sheet all over again. There is grace. So I have been grace that I don't have to walk the way I used to walk. (laughs) 
I don't have to do the things I used to do. If I do, it's because I have made the wrong choices. And then I hear God say, I'm with you as long as you're with me. So think about that before you sin. You know, before, before you get your hands involved. Before you get your mouth involved. Think about that. Now, 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 now wait a minute. Now, am I about to forsake his presence for a piece of my mind? <laughs> his presence is better than any sacrifice you have to make. Sometimes you just take it. God, I'll take it if it means you'll be with me. Because I want to stay with you. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Oh, thank God I'm free. Him whom the Son makes free is free indeed. This is what I'm telling you. I'm tell, don't tell me that His grace is on your life and you can't help but sin because my Lord doesn't lie. His Word is true. I believe He left me His peace because His Word is true. And I believe that Him who He makes free is free indeed. And I believe He's made me free. I am free indeed. Are you saying you don't get tempted? I'm saying I'm free in the midst of temptation. you saying you don't want to? I'm saying when I want to, there's a freedom that's greater than my want to. Oh, that's a reason to rejoice. <laughs> and it makes you have pity on those who can't help themselves. Because you know what they're missing. Boy, if that grace would be applied there. What a grace. Again, I'm, I'm telling you, there is no sin so deep that His grace isn't greater than. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to your name. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21. Wow. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. How did he reconcile us? What was the change? What was the difference? Well, he reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death. See, we didn't change. God didn't change. Somebody came. In the body of his flesh through death. And why did he do it? To present you. Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. He didn't do it so that you could have the claim of, see, he must be with me because I got all this money. He must be with me because I got this good job. He must be with me because look how big our church is. No, he did it so that we might be presented holy. And unblameable before God. Church, oh, how blessed we are. 
Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. <laughs> How blessed we are when we can get flooded by what we had done. But there's going to come a time when our Lord will present us to the Father and we will be stain free. Hallelujah. We will be presented white as snow. We will be presented holy and without ability to be blamed. If you continue in the faith. Oh, that's the punchline. No, no, no. It's there for you. It is for us. But we must understand that we can't just do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. We've got to continue in the faith. If you continue in the faith. Grounded. And settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every... What is the hope of the gospel? Christ in you. See, I'm with him. He's with me. Don't be moved away from staying with Christ. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. <sighs> Truly, the work of grace is to present you holy and unblameable before God. But you have to continue. You have to continue. You know, this dispels once saved, always saved. No, once saved, as long as you stay saved. As long as you continue, as long as you remain grounded and settled, as long as you do not be moved away from the hope of the gospel, yeah, then you'll make it. But you have to continue. And I'm telling you, this is why, you know, the promises of God do, you know what they do? They give us courage to know that he's with us so that we can continue. It's when we make the choice to not continue where we lose it. Mm. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So the law came so the sin might appear sinful. But where sin abounded, I love this, grace did much more. No, 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 it didn't equal it out. <laughs> it wasn't the same measure. You know, I, I had a negative five, then I added a positive five, so now we're at even. No, 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 it far exceeded negative five. You're in the surplus. You're in the more than enough range. 
What's more than enough? I'm not talking material. I'm talking grace. Because where sin did abound. I'm t- this is just so comforting to me. Because some people have committed things that in their minds they just can't get over. But they need to know there's something stronger. There's something greater. It's the grace of God. See, see, His grace is so great that as far as the east is from the west, He removes that transgression away from you. (laughs) See, see, I'm so free that I'm not bound by my past sins because of the work of grace that is much greater than the negativity of my sin. So now I'm free in my mind as well to serve Him. And to do his will. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? Oh, he says we can continue. He's going to ask about continue. Shall we continue in sin? Oh, now I know when I continue, I can't continue in sin. That's the opposite. That's why I go from God is with me and, oh, wait, wait a minute, why am I on my own now? Because I continued in the wrong thing. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there. And oh, I love Paul's language because it is spoken like someone who understands. He says, now, now here's the truth. The truth is, you're dead to sin. <laughs> and I like how he says it because he knows what the enemy does. He tries to keep you away from the truth. You know, I, I don't want to get but I'll get Parents, you know, it is a subtle work of the enemy to have the world work on you to convince you that my child is going to be an entertainer. My child is going to be an athlete. My child is going to be a singer. My child is going to be an actor. You know what? It puts, it wants to keep them in mindset that that's all that they can be. This is as far as they can go. And so what the enemy does is it keeps them from who they could be and the knowledge of who they could be. And that's how it binds them. And if the parent falls into the trap, what hope do our children have? And so Paul understands the subtlety of the enemy. The enemy wants to keep you away from certain knowledge because if you are open to the truth, then you won't stay bound where you are. Truth is, you're dead to sin. That's the work of grace. And because now I'm dead to sin, how am I going to continue in sin? See, grace is going to present us holy and unblameable as long as we continue. In other words, you must respond to grace once you have received grace and keep responding. You must respond to grace after that you have received grace and you have to keep responding. Let's look at this in Luke chapter 15. This will be the last passage of scripture I'll go to. 
Luke chapter 15. Tonight. Luke chapter 15. You have to respond to grace once you have received grace. You've got to keep responding. Then God is with you. You hear me? That's when God is with you. There's not only an initial response, you have to keep responding. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. And the father divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Now I'm telling you, this is insult added to injury. Look, the son, the younger son, he was with the father. And the father was with him. But he took it for granted. He took it for granted. And when he left the assurance of the father's presence, it was just a matter of time before he realized the peace was gone. Oh, listen. It's just a matter of time when you leave him before you realize, because trust me, as soon as you left him, the peace was gone. So it's just a matter of time when you leave God before you come to the realization that the peace is gone. And what's going to happen is there's going to be insult added to the injury. Because, again, verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and he left where his father was. And I like how it says it. He took his journey into a far country got far away from the presence of his father. And there, wasted his substance. You know why he wasted his substance? Because he was on his own. He was left to his own knowledge, making his own choices without the guidance of the father. There, wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, if that wasn't bad enough, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Not just a famine, there arose a mighty famine. And it didn't come before he spent all. Because he would have had some sense then maybe to save a little bit. But it was just good timing, wasn't it? After he spent all, it wasn't a recession, people. It was a downright depression. 
And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He wasn't even at the bottom yet. But he was on the road there. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Oh, I love it. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. You know why I love this? Because he left the father. He didn't just go down the street. He went to a far country. And he had to join himself to a citizen of that country. You know why? Because he was in a place where he was not a citizen of. He had left his citizenship to go and be with other people who were not from the place he was from. And when the bottom fell out, he had to join himself to the people of this other country. And when he joined himself to the people of this other country, he found this out. They can't provide for me. Like my father provided for me. You know, that's a lesson we don't have to learn. At least not that way. We, we shouldn't learn it like he learned it. He went, verse 15, and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields. The citizen sent this young man into his fields to feed the swine. And I like how the Bible just feed swine. It sounds bad. And he would fain. Oh my goodness. He would set his heart. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Oh, that's how the enemy does it. Enemy gets you away from God. Far away from God. Because I think, you know, oh, they do everything. I've heard about all that goes on over there. You see how they're prospering over there. But trust me, as soon as you get over there, the bottom's going to fall out. Why? Because you're not a citizen of that kingdom. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. And the enemy was setting you up. Couldn't wait for you to leave. Because he didn't care about anybody. He just wanted to get you away from the safe place. He says he set his heart. In other words, he started daydreaming, imagining, you know what? Have you ever said, I will never eat this or never eat that? But then you got hungry. Or at least as close as you've ever been to really hungry. And suddenly that sure does look good to you, don't it? You know, you're broke, got no money, and the last thing left in the refrigerator is the thing you said you wouldn't eat. You know, that don't look so bad right now. <laughs> you know, you make it taste good. Because you don't have any other choice. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. <laughs> he would be fighting with the pigs over the food. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And here I am, perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Oh, I love this. Oh, do you get this? He says now, okay, I left the presence of my father. I came out here, and now look at where I am. You know what? His presence is better. And his presence is better even if I'm not a son. No, no, you missed that. I don't need to be a son. I just need to be in his presence however I can be in his presence. I don't need a name in the church. 
I don't need a position in the church. I don't need a title in the church. I don't, need, I don't need to be known by all the ministers. I don't need to be known by the pastor. I just want to be in His presence. I hear David say, One day, in thy house, is better than a thousand. Give me a thousand and it's not in your house, I'll take one day in your house. Because your presence is better. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be a door stump in God's house than to, than to live well somewhere else. The son came to himself and says, you know what? His presence is better even if I have to eat crow. Even if I have to apologize. Even if I have to swallow my pride. His presence is better. I will arise. Go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, do you understand? God doesn't want you away from his presence, but it was your choice. He's not forcing you to stay. I'm telling you, this is, um, this is just amazing to me. The God who lets you go is waiting for you to come home. Hallelujah. The son said to, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatty calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Oh, this, this, this just goes off in me. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I, I love that. He maketh me. And again, it's not that he puts a gun to my head and says, you're going you're to lie down in green pastures. It's, it's just what he does. Has anybody ever been just so good to you? Has anyone ever just pampered you? And you're like, I can take care of that. No, 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 I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it for you. They just make you be pampered. That's my God. That's my God. So here it is, the son says, I don't even need to be a son. God says, no, 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 I'm going to make you lie down in tender grass. I'm going to give you rest. It just comes with being with him. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. See, that's what happens when we get away from his presence. You lose. <laughs> Thank God that he gives you opportunities to wake up. And if you would just wake up, he's there waiting. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother's come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo. These many years 
do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which he hath devoured thy living, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, that has killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. No, you miss it. See, we went over this last time. Remember, the Pharisees demanded to know from Christ when the kingdom of God should come. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God coming not with observation. He knew what they were asking for. He says, you're looking for something to come, and you're looking for it to come in a certain way, but I want to tell you this. It's among you. You have it. You're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking for the miraculous when you're missing the simple. You see, see, because the point of this is not to get you to, you know, I need to leave and come back so he can receive me. Like, no, you don't understand. You don't need to leave because you have it all right now. You don't have to suffer the shame. You don't have to suffer the severe loss. You have to get joined with them of the country. We're not going to take care of you. You're with him now. Stay there. And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.